This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into another episode of the Ots and Audibles podcast. Eric Scopel today, your host, joined by a very special guest, Oregon women's basketball head Coach Kelly Graves, who's joined us several times now for these. I always appreciate the time, Coach. Hey, Eric. Always good to, to be with you, man. I, I love your work. I appreciate what you do for all our sports here. Yeah, of course. And, uh, you know, it's it's fun having you on. It's that time of year again. We were just talking about how it's crazy how far we're six games into the college football season. We're two weeks almost from your, your season opener exhibition game uh, against Carroll College, uh, October 28th. The schedule just dropped, I think, yesterday. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. I think the show's going to go live on Friday, but it, we're we're kind of we're almost there. It's, I can't believe it. Yeah, it's it's upon us. It's uh, you know makes me a little nervous at times because you know we're not quite ready yet. But um, you know, I just love this time of year. I I think October it's my favorite sports month because, as you may or may not know, I'm a huge baseball fan, so I love baseball. Obviously, football's in full swing. Basketball's getting started. I mean, the NBA starts with real games next week. So, you know, this is a, this is a great time of year. You have, and then hockey, of course, just started. And I, hey, I'll tell you, hockey's like my favorite sport to watch live. It's incredible. If you've ever been to an NHL game, a high-intensity game, it's a lot of fun. I think the only live hockey I've ever been to was, is it the Spokane Chiefs? Is that right? Up in Spokane? I used to love going to the Chiefs games, yep. Yeah, I went to several of those in college. I have not been to an NHL game. I'll maybe I'll have to change that soon. Um, well, sticking with your team, let's focus there for a bit. Uh, you guys have now practiced for, what, about 10 days, something like that? A couple, Almost two weeks? Uh, yeah, yeah. We started uh, October 1st, I think, yep. So we're, we're, we're closing in on, yeah, just about 10 days or so. And I'm just curious, early returns, what are you seeing? How are you feeling about everything? New team, new players, a couple new coaches. We'll get to all of it. But just kind of what are your thoughts with kind of the first 10 or so practices? Love what I see. I, uh, I think our, the energy and enthusiasm with which our kids have been practicing and playing, I think, is uh, off the charts better than it's been in a, in a couple of seasons, to be honest with you. I think we have, uh, we have some ballers. You know, some kids that really just are into basketball and uh, and that makes a difference, you know, so it makes it, uh, I think, easier to coach. Um, and then, you know, it's been a, it's been difficult at times because, you know, this time of year you have some odd injuries, you know, kids sitting out here and there. A couple of days we've only had five or six people actually uh, able to practice. You know, some might be cleared to go half court. Some can only go. Um, you know, non-contact. Of course, we had Taya and Philly were mm-hmm. both in, in Australia with Team Canada at the FIBA World Cup. And so they missed the first week of practice. So really, we've only been like all together and able to do things with everybody, you know, a day or two. But 
but but the energy and enthusiasm and really attention to detail and those kind of things has really been off the charts. I'm real proud of of what we've done and, and accomplished so far. Long way to go, but I like what I see. I wanted to jump in first with some schedule stuff just because that just got released. And I'm curious here on kind of the way you think this shapes up for you in non-conference. Um, notable, you start with, you know, not, not, I'm not sure it's always this way, but you start with a, a Power 5 program here, a, a pretty decent program in Northwestern to open up uh, your regular season on November 7th. Was that, what was the design behind that? Because usually, you know, you play Seattle after that, you play Southern Utah after that. Usually it seems like you open up with one of those teams, but opening up with Northwestern kind of stood out to me. Yeah, you don't always want to do that, but they're opening with us. So, you know, we're both, uh, you know, jumping right into it. Uh, you know, they're the ones traveling, so you kind of have to do whenever they can come out, you know. Um, we went there last year, as you might remember, and then the day of the game, they called with a COVID-8 outbreak. Yeah. So we had just done our pregame or our breakfast meal. We were getting ready to go to shoot around when we got the call from them saying they had several players test positive. So that game it didn't happen. Um, but yeah, they're, they're out. They're going to be really good. It's a big 10 test right off the bat. And, and then you, uh, you know, look at our schedule, our non-league man, our 11 games, five of them are against power five schools or top 25 level programs. Not many people are doing that. That's half of our games. Yeah, I was going to get to that because you guys also play in two tournaments this year. The PK-85 up in Portland, that'll be fun. I'll be at both of those games. Uh, you play Northwest, North, sorry, North Carolina for sure, then potentially Iowa State or Michigan State a couple of days later. This is around the uh, Thanksgiving time. And then the San Diego Invitational, start with Arkansas. You might have South Florida, who you played last year. That was a tough game in Ohio State. Just kind of those tournaments, those, those invitationals that lead you right into, you know, right into conference play. Kind of what are you hoping to get out of those experiences? <laughs> well, I hope we can win. I mean, you know, if we if we can win those games, they obviously will prepare us for for Pac-12. And if you've noticed, even uh, uh, you know, we have a December game this year against Oregon State. Uh, so yeah, we we don't we don't have a lot of softball lobs, you know, early in the season. We we're going to get tested. I've always believed in that. Every year, we're among the top uh, most difficult. Uh, non-conference schedules in the country. I like that. I like being tested. Our our players want to be tested. Um, but you know, there's a there's a chance we uh, we lose all those games. I I hope to think we wouldn't. But you know, we just don't have a lot of games on our schedule uh, that are just okay. Yeah, that's a game we you should win, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll we'll be tested. Um, and, you know, and I think we'll be ready for, it. you know, early in the year, we've got veteran guards and that that always is what's tested early in the season is, is your backcourt. But, uh, yeah, North Carolina, they're going to be they may be in the preseason top 10. Mm-hmm. I think Iowa State is Michigan State's always really good. And and then that that San Diego tournament is is loaded, you know, and not to discount like the University of Portland. I mean, my goodness, they, they gave us everything we could handle last year. So that's going to be a heck of a, a heck of a game. And then, you know, it's kind of fun. Some of my former players get to come back with their teams, uh, which is pretty neat. So Southern Utah, Katie Grice mm-hmm. um, is the associate head coach there. She played for us uh, early in our tenure here at Oregon. Uh, the head coach there, Tracy Sanders, played for me 
at St. Mary's College. So they're coming up. Uh, Eastern Washington assistant coach there is Jordan Loetta. So Jordan's coming back, um, you know, with her team. And then Seattle U, two of our former players are on the Seattle U staff and Audie Gilden and Lexi Peterson are assistant coaches there. So, you know, it's going to be kind of a fun uh, uh, preseason schedule. It'll really be great having, you know, some former Ducks back in uh, Matthew Knight Arena. You touched on it, and uh, I think it's interesting. They've split up the rivalry games here. Um, this is the first year they've done it. You, as you mentioned, Oregon State comes to Matthew Knight on December 11th. That's, what, eight games into the season or so. That could be – that will be – those are always tough games. And then there's a little bit of separation here, about a month and a half between then and when you play in Corvallis on January 20th. Kind of what was your – were you in – were you pro or against the idea of separating these? Because typically they play these the same weekend. Well, we're one of the reasons why we made the change as a conference because, you know, we, we've played UConn the last couple of years in an intersectional uh, game during conference play, you know, made for TV events. And um, we've had to really maneuver the schedule at, at really a disadvantage for us, uh, having to play three games in a week during those weeks. And so uh, what, uh, what we're going to do now is uh, – play our travel partner once in December. So everybody is doing this, not just us in Oregon state, but all the, the partners in the conference playing once in December. So that when we do play our travel partner during the PAC 12 season, we only have one game. So that would allow us to pick up an intersectional game uh, against, you know, another major conference team. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a good thing. I miss having the back-to-back because, uh, let's face it, that's about 23,000 fans we get in a three-day period, uh, which is pretty cool, you know, and not many people, uh, places in the country do that. But I'm for the change. I, I think it's good. It'll it'll be kind of weird, so to speak, but, you know, I think in the end it'll, it'll help benefit programs like us, like Stanford, uh, Arizona now, you know, who are playing more of a national schedule. It allows us to pick up somebody, uh, you know, like a South Carolina or something like that in the future. Yeah, no, I, I, I like it, too. Um, as much as you said, as fun as it is to have those the same weekend, having a little space there might not be a bad thing. And then having an early test in December like that, that's that's, uh, you know, that's that's not unusual. But I think that'll be kind of a fun staple. Yeah. And right after finals, you know, that's that's always tough. Now, I think I think Oregon State does their finals the same week. I think we're both on quarters. But, uh, yeah, that's never easy. You know, I think we play on that Sunday, and we have finals, you know, Monday through Friday. So we'll maybe be – both teams will be a little rusty. We'll see. I want to get into some players in a moment, but I also think we need to talk about some of your staff additions. Consecutive years, you, you brought in some new faces here. Mike Mosier uh, leaves kind of a little bit later than you typically have coaching turnovers to take a job with the Celtics and Adi Gilden, as you mentioned, now with Seattle University. Uh, let, let's talk about Sadie Edwards and Gianna Lialu Summers. And I might have, hopefully I pronounced Gianna's last name properly, but if you can correct me if I'm wrong. But what, 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 do, you, what do you see from both of those two um, kind of younger players, or sorry, younger coaches, but were both players not, not that long ago? Yeah, both uh, 26. We were just talking about that today. I'm more than double their age, which is uh, really scary. Um, yeah, both, both come very highly recommended. Um, uh, you know, both have really strong pedigrees. Let's start with Gianna. She, uh, you know, played at the University of Pacific. One of my former 
players is also an assistant down there. And she was an assistant and just spoke so highly of her um, that, you know, we're, we're glad she's in that director of creativity spot. And every player or every person we've had in that position has moved on to uh, to a high level assistant coaching position, including Jackie Nard. Mm-hmm. She was in that position one year. Uh, Audie Gilden for a couple of years, Chavi Lopez for a couple of years. So it's uh, Nia Jackson. So it's been a, a, a really good stepping stone for, for those people. But yeah, director of creativity, she's involved in our scouting. She's involved in uh, data collection. She runs the practice guys. She makes sure they're uh, doing what they're supposed to do. And then most importantly, she's a video coordinator. So she handles uh, all that stuff. It's a, it's a huge job and very important job. Uh, Sadie Edwards, uh, some people might remember, she pl- um, she was a McDonald's All-American in high school. She she uh, signed at UConn, played at UConn for a year, then transferred and finished her career at USC. Uh, she holds a couple of master's degrees. Um, she, uh, you know, super bright, uh, was an assistant at Indiana for a couple years, and they had a nice run in the NCAA tournament one year. Um, and then she was most recently – uh, an assistant coach slash staff member uh, for the New York Liberty. And when this job opened up, I remember getting a call from Sabrina mm-hmm. and, uh, and she said, Kelly, this is, and, and, and by the way, Sabrina, you can't fake it with her. She knows she's as real a person as I've ever met. And she said, Kelly, Sadie is incredible. So we had a lot of really good applicants for the position, but Sadie just blew us away during the, uh, the interview process and um, and you know we're really happy that that she's here so you know she's a p- former Pac-12 guard so she understands she has WNBA pedigree uh, Big Ten experience and uh, she's hit the ground running uh, has done a great job already and and I've seen dividends with her in her recruiting and things like that so yeah really good addition obviously we're we're sad to see Mike go uh, you can't pass up on a Celtics offer an opportunity and then Audie of course got a um you know that's why they do the position here the director of creativities so that they can move into an assistant coaching position somewhere and she landed a great spot at Seattle U so I I, and then the year before that we lost some people because they were promoted to head coach so you know that's good I think that means we're doing something right here we're getting good people that uh that others want to hire no kidding yeah no I thought I was kind of bummed out because I didn't end up getting really to meet Mike last year and he ends up taking a job so quickly and uh, moving on and that's a as you said you don't say no to that kind of a position it's, it's no to... and what a crazy time now I oh, mean you know yeah. he jumped right into the fire uh of course he he's known Ime Udoka for a long time uh you know both Portland kids and uh they knew each other and so you know it's unfortunate what happened back there but uh he feels pretty good about his situation I think he's He's already um, impressed, you know, the people that he's working with. Let's move to some of the players here. Um, you mentioned it earlier, but I, I did want to hear, you, you know, it's not this is not new for your program, but to have players play an international play, maybe miss some time on campus. You mentioned it earlier, Philly and Taya both playing Team Canada. Uh, a little bit over, a, well, less than that, a little less than a month ago, they were, they were playing. Uh, what did they get from those experiences? And I obviously – Philly, the last time we spoke, was dealing with a hand injury, but clearly she's she's she, she's full go. She's feeling pretty good. Yeah, she's still got some nagging injuries here and there, uh, so she hasn't been 
full practice yet. Uh, but she's a really hard worker. I think with her, she just needs court time, you know, and she didn't get a lot with, with the Canadian team because she was by far the youngest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, you know, she was around pros and because they, they are pros. Every, every one of the players she played with are pros, except for her teammate, Taya. They were the only two. I think there were only three or four college kids in the entire tournament. So just being around them, practicing against them and with them each day, I think, you know, uh, gave her a lot of, you know, new insight and experience. Uh, but she needs court time. And, um, you know, but I'm, I'm really happy with what I see. I think she's got a chance to be a really special player. Um, you know, not many people can do what she does at six foot eight. So she just, you know, got to get out on the court and, and, and get time. And, and we need her and we will have her do that this year. And let's talk about Taya a little bit. I know when we spoke last back in May, you, the kind of the expectation, I think she might have been coming on campus pretty soon, was that she would kind of insert a little toughness, a little veteran leadership in a backcourt that is really, really talented. What have you kind of seen from her and, and how is she acclimated with, with everybody? Well, just what you said, just that. She's done that. I've already seen an impact. Our practices are a lot more um, uh, intense. The energy's really high. So the but things that we really, I think, from time to time lacked in the last couple of years, she brings and has brought. So I love that energy. She's a great shooter. I mean, you know, in fact, we did some shoot a bunch of shooting drills today, and she won almost all of them. I mean, she can she can really stroke it. She's a big guard, so she's versatile. She can guard one through four, really. And, uh, you know, it just gives us somebody that can can fill in a lot of different spots. Uh, can play both ends of the floor. So, and she's, you know, had four years, graduated Arizona State, uh, played, you know, big minutes for them all four years and is one of the better guards in the conference. So, yeah, she's, uh, I, I really like, uh, you know, the addition of her. That's uh, been what will be one of the most major transfer impacts we've had, you know, on the level of maybe an Aaron Bowley almost. High praise. Yeah, you guys have had some good players come through that have been from the transfer portal. Um, you know, it's interesting looking at your roster. It's such a mix of, you know, the freshmen, the newcomers, and then a lot of really experienced players. Now, some of them have experience at other schools, obviously, India, Elise, uh, Taylor, players that, that transferred in the last year or so. Um, even Sedona, I guess, didn't really play at Texas, but she, you know, she's been around for a while. Kind of the veteran experience on this team, I think, separates itself from the last couple of years. Kind of what have you seen? talked about Taya, but kind of some of those other players taking on maybe some some veteran roles. Well, let's just talk about the guards. When you talk experience, think of our guards. So you already mentioned Indy Rogers. This is her fourth year. She's been an all-pack 12 player twice, you know, and will be again. She's, you know, could be a future pro. You look at Tahina Pow-Pow, even though, you know, she's had some injury issues, hasn't played a full season yet, but that's three years. You know, this is her third year now playing at a high level. Again, an all-pack 12 guard. Taya Hansen, four years at Arizona State, a very successful program, and one of their key players year in and year out, all-pack 12 player and an all-pack defender. Uh, then you look at Elise Hurst, you know, and Elise had a really nice year for us last year, shot about 40% from the three. Uh, you know, this is, will be her fifth year in college, and she had a really nice career at New Mexico and a good year for us last year. That's as veteran a guard line as you're going to see in the country. And then you add that to that two really talented freshmen and Chance Gray and Jenna Asai, you know, you're talking, those are six, right? They're six really good guards. Uh, I would put our guard depth and ability 
among the best in the country. You know, I don't think there are very many power five programs that are returning two all league guards. And, and if you add Tay in there, three all league guards. So that's, that's impressive. So I, I think our guard line is definitely going to be one of our strengths and we'll certainly have a lot of depth there. Well, let's talk a little bit about the front court then. I don't know if there's quite the depth and experience there. You mentioned Philly is a younger player. Kennedy's obviously a younger player. Sedona's been around a long time now. You've come, I think there's, she's proven herself and, and what she's capable of doing. Uh, Taylor, I thought, played really well at times last year when, when she got in. Kind of what, what do you see there, and, and how much can, uh, can Vince Sluton help? Yeah, you're right. We just don't have the numbers there. But if you let's start at the five position, the center position, you look at Sedona. Yeah, you know, she averaged what 10 and 10 and seven. And she's been a productive player for us, been around, uh, very highly skilled, you know, still hasn't been fully healthy at any point in her career. That's always been an issue with her and a struggle, but she's very skilled and very, uh, very capable. And then you look at Philly, who's an up and comer. I mean, she's got a chance to be, uh, you know, a great player. And then, you mentioned Kennedy Basham, the freshman. You know, she didn't play last year. She she sat out her senior year in high school because of uh, a foot issue that she went ahead and operated on, and she wanted to to be prepared here, give up her senior season so she could play here. Uh, I've been impressed so far. I think she's done a really good job. So not many teams can go six eight, six seven, six seven. You know, at the center position. So uh, then you look at the four. You mentioned Taylor Hosendub. This is her fifth year. So again, a lot of experience. Uh, Grace Van Sluten has a chance to be one of the best freshmen in the country. She, she right now is making a huge impact as one of our top players. I mean, she's, she's just terrific at six, three, she can shoot it. She can take it off the dribble. Uh, she's got a little old school back to the basket kind of game as well as being able to face up and go by you. And her motor is just never, never stops. So, you know, that's the one position where we may not have a lot of uh, experience depth. But, you know, we could move Atea Hansen in and play a, a few minutes at the four, maybe Jenna Asai a little bit at the four, so we could go small. And then we could go uh, with some double big. You know, Sedona can face the hoop and has the skill set to play kind of facing the basket. And you, you Maybe you double up her and a, and a Philly at the same time or Kennedy. So it gives us that four spot will be kind of that position that, uh, you know, won't have kind of a set depth structure. But uh, but I think we're going to be uh, very good there, nonetheless. Uh, great explanation there. That was one of the things I was curious about. Just looking at the roster, that seems like the one position where you don't have ample depth. Because you, you mentioned the guards. I mean, you guys have so many players, or that's never going to be an issue. You look at center, as you said, three players, six, seven, or above. That's that's probably almost incomparable nationally. But that power forward spot was the one where I was kind of going like, then Sluton's obviously a big time recruit. Uh, Taylor played a decent amount last year, but you just kind of don't know exactly what that role is. I, I, I'll be interested to see and kind of watch that spot throughout the year and kind of where you where you settle in. Um, and maybe, I guess, as you said, maybe it'll be matchup related sometimes. Uh, yeah, but just just remember the name Grace Van Sluten. Uh, okay. That's a name a lot of people nationally are going to go. Okay, let's go. I mean, she she can she can play. What is it about her that's impressed you? And I know one thing I, I talked to her before, has, has she been able to stretch her shot out to three-point range? That was a thing that I know she was talking about working on when I spoke with her last summer. Yeah, and she's still not – I wouldn't consider an elite shooter, but she has the ability to make the threes. You know, with her, it just comes down to confidence and repetition. 
but, you know, we're, we give that our players, as you well know, a lot of freedom offensively, you know, and I think that's what's made us so good in, the, in past years. You know, Grace will grab a rebound and take it up to court, and she's able to not only finish in transition but make a play and a smart play. But just I think her versatility or her ability to play inside and out, she is a legitimate 6'3", super athletic. I mean, she goes up and she's trying to dunk and, and things like that. She, she's she got a, a lot of bounce to her. Like I said, a, a motor. She goes after every rebound. Uh, she's a, She's got a qu- quick second leap. You know what I mean? Some of those players can just get up the second time really quickly. And, uh, and she's just really aggressive. We're going to be able to isolate her uh, one-on-one against people, you know, not only, you know, facing the basket and with the back to the basket. I, I, just, I look at her and I go, I, I think that's just one of those players that really is going to be among the better in the country. And, and then let's talk a little bit about chance because we've talked about all the veterans you've got there in the backcourt. And again, as you said, probably almost incomparable to find that many players with the kind of careers they've had already but chance steps in here as a really highly accomplished young player in her own right what kind of a role can she play what are her strengths and how does she fit in um i'll tell you what i she's really good (laughs) she's really good in fact i told her today as we were uh you know we had a training table after practice she's the best player we have at reading a pin down screen she's great at flaring off it knowing when to curl cut it that's high level stuff that usually takes some time to figure out. She is really good at it. Uh, uh, an elite shooter. She's good in transition. I think what she's trying to work on right now is her ability to off ball screen. Cause you know, we like to run a lot of ball screens ability to take it, uh, you know, to the basket, get downhill, put pressure on the defense, get in the paint. Um, and, you know, and she's working at it. The great thing about chance, what I love most about her, she wants to be good. She wants to be good. Uh, she's a sponge. She soaks everything up. Uh, I think one of our strengths is a coaching staff and a program. I think we do good at, uh, very good at teaching point guard play. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what she wants to be. She wants to be a pro point guard. And I think she's got that, that potential. So I, I'm really pleased. I, both her and Jenna. Jenna, I'm telling you what, she's got, a, she's a real, our four freshmen are really good. You know, Jenna, can shoot it. She's aggressive. She loves contact. She draws contact when she drives. She's she's hard nosed. So those those two freshman guards, even though we've got four really experienced high level guards, those two are going to make people stand up and notice, and they're going to they're going to push uh, the rest of our players. I know this has been the case in your program for a while. You guys don't necessarily always have a definitive point guard, a player that always brings it up. You rotate through that. Is it, I mean, what, what a luxury do you guys have to have maybe four or five that could be primary ball care or ball handlers, I should say. Well, it just always makes you tougher to guard. I think it helps in transition. Um, you know, you're able to, to get up and down the floor quicker, especially, you know, from defense to offense when you don't have to get the outlet to the point guard every time. Uh, yeah, isn't it funny and kind of ironic that, you know, Sabrina won three Nancy Lieberman awards, mm-hmm. at the nation's top point guard, but we never really viewed her as our point guard in the four years she was here. You know, it was either Maite Cazorla for the first three years and Mignon Moore the last year, but you know, her assist numbers were obviously so good and she was such a playmaker. Uh, 
I think they almost should name the award after her. I think you win it three times. Shouldn't shouldn't the mantle be passed? Becomes the Sabrina Ionescu Award. Well, they should eventually name something after her. I think you have to have like a ten year window or something like that for maybe not. I don't that know how it, stuff works, but it seems like doesn't it usually take a little time for for that to settle in. I guess I'm just saying kind of tongue in cheek, but it's funny, you know, Ann Myers Drysdale, who's uh, named, you know, the uh, the off guard of the year or shooting guard, whatever you want to call it, of the year award is named after her. She always has told me that, you know, Sabrina should have won her award. She goes, she played more like me than she did Nancy. But yeah, it's, you know, neither here nor there, I guess. But yeah, we've, uh, we, I don't know what it is. I think the freedom that we give our players, uh, I think, allows them to develop more at the guard spot. Uh, and we've been able to, quite frankly, when you've coached elite guards like we have, it also allows you to recruit elite guards. They want to be part of that. I think that's one of the reasons Chance chose here. I think she knows that we can really help her get uh, to uh, to help her reach her goals. And her goals are to be a, a pro guard. We're, I know I know you haven't even played a, a game yet, and maybe this question's too big picture, and you can let me know if it is. But are, are there kind of maybe areas that you're looking at right now with this team, whether it be a shooting, whether it be something defensively that you think will really kind of determine big picture success this year, or is it just too early to have that kind of an answer? No, I I, I think the areas we've got to we've got to be better than we have. Um, in the past, we, we've got to get our guards playing downhill a little bit better. Uh, we were, we, we didn't get it. We didn't put as much pressure on the defense in the last couple of years as we did in the past with pick and roll. Sabrina would get in the paint, make things happen, not only score for herself, but play make for others. Same with Mike Cazorla. And we just haven't been able to do that, you know, and our, our players are still trying to develop a, you know, that pocket pass and, and, and be good in that area. I think three point, you know, I, I think we can be a better three point shooting team this year. I think we have some, some real dead eyes that, that, that want to shoot it and are looking to shoot it. I think that's going to be really important for us. And then honestly, I'm only carrying 11 players this year. So good health is going to be a huge factor. We, we have to stay healthy. Our final four team in 2019, we only carried 10 on the roster that year. And Niara tore, tore her ACL in Germany before she got on campus. So we played the entire season with nine players. And then when Taylor Chavez got hurt in February and missed the last month of the season, you know, we made that whole postseason run with, um, with eight players. <laughs> so, you know, this year we have 11 on the roster and, and, uh, you know, it'll, it, I think it'll help chemistry wise because everybody's probably going to have to play a little bit more than we have the last couple of years. But, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta stay healthy. Leaving your program a little bit, just a, a question, bigger picture for West Coast sports, conference realignment, USC, UCLA headed to the Big Ten, Oregon, Washington, others kind of mentioned as possible to join. Is this is this something you think about at all? Are you worried about it? Do you have a preference? What what kind of where are you, where are you at with that? Well, they're not making any kind of decisions based on the women's basketball team, so I'm sure. not going to worry about it. You know, they're not asking me, so I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, the honest truth is, it doesn't really 
you know, the fact that we lose the two L.A. schools. And, I mean, I, I like their coaching staffs. I love being able to go to L.A. Uh, to, to play games. I think it really helps us. But, you know, the reality is think of the last 25 years, you know, uh, between those two programs, they've, they've been good, but there are not a lot of championships between those two. And so I think for my sport, for women's basketball, it hurts not having them here because I really do like them. And, and I think they're both going to be really good this year. But, you know, I, I think right now that, you know, Stanford, Arizona, Oregon, Oregon State, Utah, Colorado, really making a push, Washington State, you know, those are the programs right now that are among the elite in the country. Washington's getting better. Um Arizona State with a new coach. I really like the new coach there. Uh, you know, I, I think that the, the league is in for women's basketball, I think is going to be just as strong as it has been. And it's been maybe the best conference in the nation over the last eight or 10 years. I know you, uh, you, you're you pretty excited about the possibility of getting college game day here for the football program. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, how much of the, how much, I know, I know, I know we've talked about this in the past, you know, you're, you're obviously a fan of all the programs here, all the sports. I've seen you at track meets. I've talked, we've talked about your, how, how much you were following the golf team last year, baseball, all of that. How, how fun has it been to kind of watch the, the football team play so well and, and kind of why were you sending out that tweet Saturday evening? Well, I was, I was hesitant on the tweet. So I knew I wanted to send something out like that out there. I looked at UCLA schedule. I saw they were going to have a buy. We had a buy. So whatever the outcomes were the, of, of last week, I figured, okay, it's not going to change from two weeks. And then when UCLA won, I'm thinking, okay, if we win, we got to be game day. Too many storylines, right? So, you know, and we're playing so well. I didn't want to jinx it. I, I texted my boys. We were on a group chat together during the game. And when we went up 49-something in the third quarter or whatever it was, we got up about four touchdowns. I figured, okay, I'm probably pretty safe to tweet this out <laughs> in the third quarter because I wanted to be one of the first ones. I didn't want to be, a you know, somebody else had already come up with the idea. In fact, Yogi Roth on the air uh, during the fourth quarter had mentioned it. But I'd already put it out there, man. Um and my boys were prompting me to do it earlier. Oh, go ahead and do it. They're going to win. They're going to win. And uh, but anyway, I I think it'd be a game changer for uh, you know. And Dan Lanning and I texted after the game, and he felt that it would you know game day being here would could be a, a real game changer for them. I love what Dan's doing, man. I I think he's a great football coach. He's obviously an excellent recruiter. And what I enjoy about him, he's got some depth. You know, he can talk to you about you know, different things. He, he doesn't take himself too seriously. Uh, you know, we had a, a, a department event the other day, Lisa Peterson, of course, who we're going to miss mm-hmm. dearly has been a big part of, of the department here. She had a little going away, get together uh, down at, at the graduate the other day. And, and Dan showed up. I mean, during football season, these football guys are usually pretty pretty dialed in but it was great to see him there he's comfortable with the other coaches and the other staff and I I just I I love what he's doing and I sure hope he stays here for for a long time and and I love how the team is getting better just think about how that team's getting better after that first week that was rough but uh, but but I think it shows great leadership among his players but I also that comes from the coaching staff he kept those guys together 
they, they could have hung their heads and they played better and better each and every week. So I don't know what your question was, but what the hell? Well, I, I think you, I think you answered it great. And you've answered all the questions. Hopefully we, maybe we'll see Dan out there at a women's basketball game with Matthew Knight. I'm sure he will make an appearance probably once maybe we get to December or January or something like that. Maybe that's a good time for him to stop by. I know Mario was out there quite a bit. You know, Mario was a huge fan of ours, you know, yeah. and his boys were big fans and, and, and yeah, I think Dan will be too. He's, uh, he's been very open with me and I had a chance to teach his, his team one day how to shoot and it was pretty ugly with a couple of them, but, um, <laughs> I, I thought it was pretty neat. I think he calls it the duck, duck Olympics and they, they kind of did a bunch of different sports and they kept track of winners and losers and, a great camaraderie event, but it was great to kind of meet all his guys. Yeah, we're wrapping up. We only got a couple of minutes, but I did see that you had gave a quote to John Canzano that Tyler Nanny, one of their tight ends or something, was like a dead eye. You said he had a, a beautiful jump shot. I was I, I was surprised. Beautiful, yeah. No, I I uh, I was really impressed. <laughs> you know, there was like a hundred guys out here shooting, and I looked at him. I go, okay, he's there's my demonstrator. So he got up and and demonstrated, there and then go. I had one of the offensive linemen get up there, and it wasn't quite as pretty. I, I think the backboard still got a crack in it. <laughs> oh, hey, we always appreciate the time, Coach Graves. Uh, thank you so much for yours, and uh, good luck this year. I'll see you out there now again, crazy as it sounds, in about two weeks at the exhibition open around the twenty eighth. Be here soon. Yeah, we need all Duck fans to really come out and support this team. I think they're going to like them, Eric. I really do. I, we got some hard workers. I think they're we got some blue-collar types, and that's what our fans have always appreciated. All right. Well, thank you so much, Coach Grace, for your time, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Otson Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.